I want an alien baby. Uh, you will be arrested. Somebody stop me. This is why we don't have a live audience. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that wants a king to huddle indoors like a sick girl. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. That's the smallest compliment a woman ever received. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> More a statement of fact than a compliment. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Welcome back. That's to right. all of the freeloading cousins who are not <laughs> Patreon supporters. Yes. Uh, sorry it's been so long, but, uh, you know, pay up, I guess. Yeah, pay up. Well, you know, we've been, you know, we're not out of the year of, what would you even call it? Tumult? <laughs> it's, yeah, there's been a lot of tumult. Yeah, there's been a lot of tumult, and the tumult isn't over yet. <laughs> that is true. It may never end. It may just be like this forever. Yeah, that may just be what life is, it turns out. God damn it. <laughs> we worked so hard. I know. To minimize tumult. We wanted to live in a rut of crapulence. We and- did. <laughs> I walked down the aisle to no surprises by Radiohead. I reflect on that frequently nowadays. And I'm like, boy, anything you try to outrun definitely catches up with you. <laughs> yeah. That's a real like Greek prophecy situation right? there. Yeah. Damn. Anyway, listen, we're fine. We're very yes, happy. We are. We're, you know, uh, damn it, what's that line from Labyrinth? Oh, it's just nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing, tra la la, but that doesn't even fit in this aside now. <laughs> right. Anyway. Well, here we are. We're fine. Yes. We're doing great. <laughs> and, uh, we're gonna talk to you now about Wolf Hall. That's right. Wolf Hall? Wolf Hall. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> sure. But uh, we are doing this. At some point, we're going to figure out what the deal is with Call a Midwife. Right. But it's just like, hoy, where do you even begin with that Gordian knot? Yeah. Because we're behind, period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we would, in our defense... Uh, this show does have a character played by the same character as Jenny Lee, who has easily 10 to 12 lines. You mean the same actor? Yes. Right. I mean... Same character. Yeah. That's not even true. She does great work in this. She, she does. She Everybody does great does. work as Jenny Lee. Well, right. We just hate Jenny Lee. Yes. That's not, she So that's write part that. of the problem with Call the Midwife is that we freaking hate Jenny Lee. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of it. And it's all very emotional. Right. And we've been, uh, we don't really need that emotion right now at this moment. Yeah. See previous comments in Ray, <laughs> Year of Tumult. That's right. <laughs> At any rate, we love Wolf Hall. Yes. Tom, tell them how much you love Wolf Hall. Well, uh, so I plugged in. It's when I watch Amazon Prime, I do it on our Wii. So I was like, oh, I'll watch these episodes to uh, get ready for this podcast. It was already queued up to an episode of Wolf Hall mm-hmm. because that's I watch it all the time. Mine was on my Roku as well. And I said, <laughs> nay, Roku, I need to start at episode one. That's right. Because I am not a drunken fool <laughs> who watches Wolf Hall every week. <laughs> I am merely a sober fool. That's right. Who watches Wolf Hall at appropriate intervals. Yeah. And you know, I've, 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 uh, you know, pulled it back some, but I've, Surely I've seen it ten times through. Oh, I'm sure. Well, there's only six episodes. Right. Which is phenomenal. Yes. For podcasting and life purposes. Yeah, and... Nothing needs to be long, people. (laughs) Nothing needs to be long. We've all got a lot of tumult to deal with. I realize that you're talking to the people who spent 
two and a half hours sometimes <laughs> dissecting a single episode of Downton Abbey. Yeah. But that was then. That's true. Downton Abbey is over. Yeah. The tumult has taken over. <laughs> We're all just doing the best that we can. Yeah. And it's also just a remarkable work of adaptation. Oh my um, god. Look, honestly, this is so stupid that we're even recapping. It. <laughs> yeah. Because the whole time I was watching it, I was like, this is so good. Nothing that we say <laughs> is going to be amusing or like help anybody understand stuff. That's probably not true. Yeah. It is very confusing in terms of like who the F are all these people? Yeah, there's a million characters. And it's a lot easier to kind of reckon with that in the book because everybody's name is written out, obviously. Right, right. Whereas in the TV show, I kept being like, ah, <laughs> I know that's a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I've watched it enough that I think I've got most of them pinned down. Well, and you've it's read also, the book several times. Right, I've also read the book two or three times. And the, the, the book uh, has a dramatis personae, yes. which is extremely helpful. <laughs> yes, it is. Although that is why I didn't ever read uh, from a place of greater safety, because the dramatis personae in that <laughs> was so long, I was like, fuck you, Hilary Mantel. <laughs> Nobody has time for your nonsense. She's like, look, this is how many characters history had. It's not my fault. So what I will say also about Wolf Hall on the whole that is mm-hmm. so incredible is how it makes the inevitable seem evitable <laughs> like and i'm sort of thinking ahead because obviously yeah, we've yeah. seen the whole thing right most likely most of you have as well but i mean yeah. we all know we all know what happened right uh henry the eighth was like oh don't want to be married to this bitch anymore and anne boleyn was like pick me pick me so we did <laughs> yeah she briefly. Sli- she slid into his dms yeah she did yeah. very much so <laughs> and then he did not successfully get a male heir on her and he was like bye <laughs> and she got her head cut off mm-hmm. and so that's what happens in wolf hall that's right Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. For history. For history. But it just, you know, everything that happens, and there's not even that there's a ton of really well-known beats in here. Mm-hmm. It may mm-hmm. be that this is all better known if you're British. Maybe. Because I knew the whole thing in broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Being Catholic, I was raised to believe that Thomas More was great. Right. I was partially Wolf, named for him. Wolf Hall uh, disagrees with. Yes. Most Heartily, and I have to say, I know it's biased, but right. what a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and you know, again, being raised Catholic, you're like, oh, Church of England, like, that guy just wanted to get his dick wet. But there's actually <laughs> some really solid uh, fiduciary reasons for yes. him to separate from Rome, which mm-hmm. is where our hero, Thomas Cromwell, comes in. Mm-hmm. And that is the subject of our play. <laughs> right. But just every time that one of these beats comes up, you're like, wow, what's going to happen? Like, and this cast is ridiculous. Yeah. Every performance is so good. Every American actor who watches this should just go home. (laughs) Like, we should just, we. (laughs) I took a five-week course in Shakespeare, so I'm an actor again. I'm not. Don't worry, everybody. Right. I'm merely a fair to middling podcaster. And weekend warrior, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, just uh, huh? I yeah. mean, the Brits act. It is their primary export for a reason. Yeah. I assume it's their primary export. <laughs> sure. What else do they export? Uh, uh, you know, uh, crumpets, <laughs> biscuits, fish and chips. Right, right. They don't really hold up for transatlantic uh, shipments, though. Yeah, I don't know if they still do much wool. That used to be their big thing. 
Yeah, what do you produce, England? Also, what the fuck is going on with Theresa May? Please, tweet at us for at five Maggie Smiths, at five, the number five Maggie Smiths on Twitter. <laughs> Theresa May, if you're listening, we'd love to hear you defend yourself. Uh, yeah, she is busy trying not to be fired. Oh, as I understand boy, it. do I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah. So let's kick this off, shall we? We shall. With the recap proper. That's right. Uh, so we start off with a title card that's, uh, you know, very Star Wars-esque. The galaxy is its, it's war. It's that Star Wars-esque. <laughs> There's no moving text. The music is very subdued. Yes. It is not that much like Star Wars, but it clarifies that, uh, Henry has been married to Catherine of Aragon for 20 years, no male heir, trying to get an annulment. Cardinal Wolsey has failed him. Henry is not a forgiving man. So dramatic. And yeah. what's so funny about this is like, it's so dramatic in a way that the book is like, not. <laughs> yeah. The book is always like, boop, 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 boop. oh, what? You know? Okay, cool. Yeah. Stuff just happens. Yeah. It's weird how. But it's because the book is so much more limited third person from Cromwell. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is too. Like, it's not like we're seeing much. Yeah. Outside of him being there. Yeah, that's true. And like, do we see anything that he's not there for? Maybe not. I don't think we do. Yeah. In which case, wow, Mark Rylance. Yeah. Well done. I mean, Mark Rylance, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Yeah. Somebody, I was just talking to somebody from my Shakespeare class who mm-hmm. saw him play something uh-huh. in, I think, the the new old globe or whatever the hell uh-huh, it is uh-huh. that they're pretending is the globe <laughs> in Shakespeare right now. Yeah. In Shakespeare. In, in England. Shakespeare, yeah. Motion to start calling England Shakespeare. <laughs> All right. I'm not hearing any nays, so let it be done. Uh, but like, This is she... why we don't have a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> so she said, I think she might have seen him play Benedict. Okay. I can't remember. Anyway, no. I flipped out on him. Like, oh my God, have you seen Wolf Hall? <laughs> um, right. So then after I was revived by the paramedics, I was like, you could listen to my podcast. Yeah. At any rate, uh, it's worth noting, I think, this is Wolsey's only failure. Like, yes. In literally every other aspect of his duties as Lord Chancellor, mm-hmm. he has just been nothing but net. Yeah. So he's being held accountable for the fact that he can't convince arguably the most powerful man in the world, at least <laughs> the Western world, right, right. Uh, that Henry should be allowed to annul a 20-year marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, for basically no reason. Right. Uh, you know, there are the finer points that we'll get to. Yeah. But, you know, basically, this guy can't convince his boss <laughs> to just let Henry stick his dick wherever he feels like. Right. And I am annoyed that this is what takes this guy down. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. But so it goes. This is how life works. Yeah. Dumb crap happens to us all. <laughs> yes, that is true. Tumult even. <laughs> So we see uh, Mark Rylance, Thomas Cromwell, uh, looking out a window, and it's York Palace, fifteen twenty nine. And- Horses, <laughs> yes, and uh, diagenetic lighting, yes, which I love. This is such a great idea. Mm-hmm. I want to punch everyone else that's ever not done this because <laughs> they're lighting it only with candles the, the and candles fire, and yeah, and, and you know, mm-hmm. they probably have you know some you know. Some extra candles. Pro- probably. But it mainly looks like it's only being lit by the mm-hmm. candles that they're using. And I'm also wondering, it's not that it's diagenetic music, but the music definitely sounds like it's only played 
on instruments that were available at the time. Right. It it sounds that way. Yeah. You know, I'm hardly an expert to know. But yeah, and I mean, one thing is technologically, it's just a lot easier to do this type of lighting than it used to be um, with digital versus film. Um, but still, fuck you, Merchant Ivory. Yeah. I mean, Stanley Kubrick pulled it off in uh, Barry Lyndon, so it's... Which I've still never seen. Yeah. I, I think s- I saw part of it. I saw... You were watching it that time. Yeah. I saw about a third of it, like, in the middle. It was really good. Yeah, it's... but you made me watch that one scene, and I don't remember anything about uh, the it. The scene where he was, like, a servant, and he was banging his boss's wife. Yes. And his boss was like, uh, yeah, stop banging my wife. And he was like, no... And I'm just going to keep doing it and walked out. And the guy got so mad that he had a heart attack and died. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, little bonus Barry Lyndon recapping. That's great. Yeah. Man, I don't recall being Barry Lyndon. That is so what I would have done. Yeah. Uh, so there's banging at the door. Cardinal Wolves is not looking happy. Uh, he's blinged the fuck out. He is like, indeed. In case you were concerned about corruption in the church. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. He's got too many rings. Yeah. Well, and this is one of the things that's sort of a shout out to the book that is not mentioned. Because in the book, one of his things is like he's got a lot of jewels that are all like special jewels that like protect against poison or this one protects against whatever and like it's a big thing with him Mm -hmm. so wow a lot of faith in god huh (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) people are weird man people are weird yeah we haven't even met henry yet (laughs) yeah he's the weirdest one of all of them he is uh but uh in come norfolk and suffolk who are i mean everybody's one of my favorite characters on the show but these two are two of mine norfolk in particular uh bernard hill played theater in lord of the rings is just so like loud and like they drive me insane yeah i hate it when they're on screen oh yeah oh yeah they drive me nuts i mean like i like it like suffolk is just an idiot and like he's just really really dumb look that's cool <laughs> you've also watched this like a whole bunch more times yeah it's really only this time that i really felt like i fully appreciated what they're doing with rafe and richard who will get to oh shortly. yeah yeah but like look they're crushing it they're yeah, crushing yeah. what they're doing i just don't like them as people right right well yeah like suffolk's an idiot and norfolk i don't know i kind of respect norfolk he's just like I'm the second most powerful person in this kingdom, and I'm going to fucking act like it at all times. And he's not, like, he's kind of like, he's just not so political as the other people, and he's not, like, maneuvering or anything else. He's secure in his position. Well, he's, so, very, he's very direct. Yeah. Why is he so secure in his position? Um, You know, because he's, you know, Norfolk and Suffolk and... um. Uh, I feel like there's a northern one too that are are just like the oldest sort of titles okay, at the time. Okay, so it's about precedent. Yeah, essentially. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Because I was like, why does this guy think he is so cool? <laughs> and and that's why. That's why. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> um, so they tell Henry that he's out and demand the great seal. Uh, that, you mean Wolsey? Yeah, they tell Wolsey that he's out as Lord Chancellor and demand the seal and tell him what a jerk he's been. (laughs) (laughs) And then Cromwell goes and whispers into Wolsey's ear and uh, apparently they need a written request from the king and they're all upset about that. And then Cromwell whispers again. He says, oh, and also I can only give it to the master of the rolls, so better bring him. (laughs) And they're like, oh! They're so mad. (laughs) They are. 
Um, it takes forever to get anywhere. Yeah. Even just down the road. Yeah. For a packet of crisps. That's right. And you've got to find the master of the roles. It's not like he's got a cell phone on him. He might. <laughs> you never know with the master of the roles. <laughs> the master of the roles traditionally lives backwards in time. <laughs> He's the Merlin. <laughs> He's the Merlin of England. That's right. Everybody has to have a Merlin. <laughs> yeah. Ours is Dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen pictures. He's actually getting younger. <laughs> <laughs> it's that heart. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Wolsey asked Cromwell if he just made up that stuff about the uh, Lord of the Rolls or whatever, and... Cromwell doesn't even answer. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But he points out that they'll be back in a day, and Wolsey says, well, even 24 hours feels like a victory these days. So things aren't going well. No. We see soldiers who are packing up all Wolsey's finery, and Wolsey asks if they have refreshments for their guests. Wolsey is like this particularly dumb, smart person. (laughs) He just, I don't know, he's so, like, kind in some ways, but also very dumb. Mm -hmm. I guess kind and dumb are often seen in one another's company yeah well i think See it's bingley's dumbness <laughs> that's right and i think it's too that he's just like you know aggressively kind of optimistic that's true so wolsey thinks that the king will be giving york palace to anne boleyn because she needs a london residence and some guy in a boat uh who i think later in this scene i discovered is named george but i referred him almost exclusively as the uggo in charge <laughs> yes uh so he is shit talking king henry but wolsey will not have any kind yes. of negative things said about henry mm-hmm. whatsoever mm-hmm. he is very pro henry even as henry has kicked <laughs> him out so that his side piece can live in his palace yeah yeah why and and so well uh uggo yeah. says something <laughs> like oh you know what's wrong with the english anytime a man achieves greatness they have to pull him down and cromwell says the first in a long line of shit that i quoted directly i wrote this woman down as well it's not the english george it's just people yeah and just god i just wish i was thomas cromwell oh my I mean, god ignoring well, what eventually happens to thomas cromwell right but as long as hillary mantel never finishes the last book we don't have to think about that <laughs> but he's just so so even keel mm-hmm. he's so wry and funny just mm-hmm. like effortlessly yeah and he's just like whatever man yeah cromwell got a crom <laughs> Yeah, uh, which, yeah, again, side note, the this is two books of a supposed trilogy, uh, and the first book covers the first four episodes, and the second book is the last two, um, and it's been a while since it the second one came out. It has been a while, out. because I literally texted you today, and I was like, <laughs> oh, when is season two of this coming out? And you're like, uh, she has to finish the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, it's been a while, and, you know, like a little, you know, George R. R. Martin situation, but then I was thinking, gosh... She planned to write a trilogy. The first two books of the trilogy both won the Booker Prize. That's got to be like a lot of pressure when you're writing the third book. She's probably just like every day, like she gets up to write and she just sits there for a while and then she just says, fuck it and gets (laughs) drunk and like plays rap music and dances around with her Booker Prizes. (laughs) (laughs) You do you, Hillary Mantel. Or more specifically, do what Kelly would do if Kelly had two Booker Prizes. No, I assumed you were right. Like, I assume that's what she's doing. <laughs> uh, so cut to eight years earlier. 
At a masked ball. Ugh, someone invent cable. Yeah. This is so boring. This is how sophisticated their freaking costumes are. <laughs> They're wearing masks with like names of virtues on them. Yeah. So we see Anne Boleyn is wearing one that says deliverance. Mm. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Everyone must have been so bored <laughs> all the time. Just a shout out to the movie. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> All of a sudden, the lutes break out. And so Wolsey voiceover, voiceovers that uh, Anne Boleyn has been boning down with Harry Percy, or they've certainly been eye-fucking on the dance floor. We can see that. Uh, that wasn't Anne Boleyn. That was Deliverance. <laughs> right. Uh, when she They're was, two totally different people. <laughs> when Anne Boleyn is specifically uh, supposed to marry into Ireland. Boo. I mean, not because I don't like Ireland, but like nobody, <laughs> that's not a great future for an, you know, an English, uh, you know, lady. Right. It's like, oh, great. You brought me back from France for this? <laughs> yeah. I believe Anne expressed that sentiment directly in the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, he's telling all this to Harry Percy's, or not Harry Percy, to Anne Boleyn's father, Thomas Boleyn. Who is played by Dr. Clarkson. That's right. Who presumably has a real name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he has a real name, Dr. Clarkson. Please. Dr. Clarkson is my father. <laughs> Call me Clarky. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Clarkson uh, has to get serious and he, he shoes away uh, the secretary and then asks who Cromwell is. And Wolsey says, oh, that's no one. Um, anyway, like, neither of them go out of earshot, so it's sort of a weird thing. It is a weird thing. Anyway, uh, Thomas says that they've gone a bit far in the matter and have pledged each other before witnesses. So, like, oral or... (laughs) Something like that, (laughs) I would imagine. And, uh, Wolsey's like, no, 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 no. No pledges, no witnesses, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and he says that, uh, and I love it because... Uh, Thomas Boleyn says, or no, something about like that Harry should be free to choose his own wife. And Wolsey like can't even speak. Choose his own? What? What? And you know, he says he's not a plow boy and he's got to hold the North for us someday. I think he's, I think it's Northumberland. Uh, sure. Is is the title he's coming to. You'd think like with all of this, you know, period stuff that i have watched and listened to and read over the years that i would have some better understanding of like where all the kingdoms are who does what but nope i meant to i meant to reread the book before this but instead i did not do that well (laughs) nobody would have known that if you hadn't admitted to it uh yeah that's true so he uh yeah shoes thomas out and tells him to get Anne married before they hear that she's spoiled goods in ireland and uh as he yell i goes out he says butcher's boy to Wolsey, who is in fact a butcher's boy uh by birth and then butcher's dog to cromwell uh and then walt walt uh Wolsey calls his dog over and the secretary stephen gardner who i find kind of delightfully unpleasant i also <laughs> do his face man and <laughs> yeah. i looked up mark gaddis the mm-hmm. guy who plays him mm-hmm. 
And oh my god, like his face is so horrible. Yeah. And like he tries to make it work for him in real life, mm-hmm. but like it doesn't. So like, sorry, Mark Gaddis. But yeah. like, look, he's like a very successful actor and author. He doesn't need my approval. Excellent, because he ain't getting it. Apparently. No, he's not getting it. <laughs> That's not for right. me. So yeah, so he just like sneers down at Cromwell. It's like he means you, <laughs> because Gardner's so great. Yeah. So Cromwell bows and Wolsey's like, hey, you seem cool. Like, this is like the first time he's like met him, apparently. Uh-huh. I'm not totally sure. And I think they get into this more in the book about what exactly the circumstances were that brought him there. Yeah. Cromwell looks at this tapestry that Wolsey has, which will be more important later. Yes. And Wolsey says that Cromwell comes highly recommended as a lawyer. <laughs> and Cromwell spent 12 years abroad, primarily in Italy, and he's from Putney originally and is a black son. And Wolsey is very amused that uh, Cromwell has a lower birth than himself, which rarely, yeah. rarely happens. Yeah. So, you know, he's still Wolsey from the block <laughs> and, you know, happy to give a leg up to somebody else with an unconventional background. Yeah. I don't know. I've- I would have put a blacksmith ahead of a butcher, but I don't know. I wasn't there. So Cromwell comes home and hugs the dog and his <gasps> wife. I love Cromwell hugging a dog. <laughs> yes. What a great idea. <laughs> his wife pours him a drink. Um, and he says a line about how he, uh, he has to pick his prince or you in general in life, one has to pick one's prince. Um, Liz is not really feeling this new political situation because she says they've got enough money, they're doing fine. Uh, but Thomas says that he just doesn't want to spend his life dealing in conveyances and doing lawyer shit. He wants to be powerful. And Liz is like, well, I'd have no say in the matter, so, you know, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I don't remember what the compliment is. Oh, that he said triggers that, this line. He said that uh, she's more pleasant to look at than the cardinal is. <laughs> that's when she says that's the smallest compliment a woman ever received, and yeah. I think it might be. <laughs> yeah. Down at breakfast the next day, Cromwell reads a letter from his son Gregory in terrible Latin <laughs> while his daughters study, and Cromwell loves his daughter so much. Oh, he does so much. Again, Mark Rylance, because he has what like two and a half scenes yeah. with his daughters mm-hmm. and he just conveys like yeah. the entirety of their relationship mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know these kids are fine but like they're kids yeah and so he just loves them and they're sitting there you know working on various schoolwork mm-hmm. and uh liz walks over with a bundle wrapped in cloth and it's a bible in english dun, dun, dun. oh my god it's tyndale's new testament yeah Cromwell's a rebel, baby. <laughs> so in case you aren't... Yeah, so it was illegal at this time to publish the Bible in any language other than Latin. Right. And so Cromwell is part of this sort of underground brotherhood mm-hmm. who believe that the word of God should be translated into the common language so that everybody can understand it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be translated through people like Wolsey right. and their underlings. So he then opens up an illuminated text for Grace. Oh, and this is after Liz is like, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My prayer book is fine. That's he's right. like, your prayer book is dumb. Yeah. But uh, he's he's opened this illuminated text for Grace, and she's tracing over mm-hmm. some of the pictures. Mm-hmm. And then he calls for Rafe and Richard, and then they go off to the Cardinal, and Cromwell kisses Liz goodbye. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's, again, I wonder how much 
this uh, um, works when you haven't read the book because obviously I don't know because just like Rafe and Richard show up and it's like here's Rafe and Richard yeah you get no explanation well he explains who they are later yeah I know but it's just yeah like it I had no problem with it because I knew who they were right away I mean I didn't know who Thomas Cromwell was yeah okay did I read the book before I saw this I don't know I can't remember yeah doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, actually. Nobody yeah. cares. I think this is also the when, because uh, Anne is talking about how she wants to learn Greek and Gregory won't learn Greek. And, yeah. And uh, Cromwell says, what will London be like when that one's Lord yeah. Mayor? Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. At York Palace, Cromwell greets Stephen Gardner and uh, plays the titular three-card trick. Oh, yeah. If we haven't said before, this episode is called Three-Card Trick. Yes. FYI. Yes. Referring to Three-Card Monty, and he plays it on the Cardinal and says that that was how he made his money for a bit after he ran away from home. Uh, and he learns that the king has again told the Cardinal – or no, this is in the past. The king has for the first time told the Cardinal that he wants an annulment. Um, Wolsey waxes nostalgic a bit about how beautiful Catherine used to be and gets out that she had been married to Henry's brother, who then died pretty shortly thereafter, and then Henry wanted her and got her, uh, and now wants an annulment, and Catherine blames Wolsey for this. Uh, Cromwell notes that, uh, Catherine is a fighter and that she has led an army, I believe, Mm -hmm. if I recall, and, uh, so, you know... And so, and Wolsey's like, well, I guess you better call, teach me that trick in case we went up back on the streets. <laughs> yeah, which is this thing because, like, that's the thing about Cromwell is, and why his wife was so concerned was back on the streets is no longer a choice after a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, if he loses everything, he could go back in the streets and try to start over. But, like, Wolsey can't. And by the, you know, by the next episode, Cromwell won't be in that position either. It's like either succeed or be, like, hanged. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, this makes me anxious. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it makes them fairly anxious as well. <laughs> at least I have cable. <laughs> Wolsey's retinue arrives at Escher Palace. So we're back in the present. 1529. Yeah. Versus 1521. Correct. Uh, Escher Palace is his residence in exile and Cromwell uh, gets the household to get the cardinal in bed and warm and and Wolsey's talking about you know uh he can't handle the cold and like it just must suck to be old in this time yeah. like there's nowhere to get comfortable yeah yeah uh there's apparently no good spices he's asked for saffron <laughs> and nutmeg and there ain't any yeah the cardinal gets into bed and he names everyone who he's praying for <laughs> and he says that when he gets to thomas cromwell god says uh to give it up <laughs> But Wolsey blesses Cromwell anyway, and his health is clearly not good here. Yeah. We can see, and it's hard to tell if it was this journey or if it was declining before, mm-hmm. but he doesn't look great. Yeah. Yeah. So he says that Norfolk, Suffolk, and Boleyn have been waiting for him, and Wolsey says Cromwell should leave him like Gardner. So Gardner has already split. Yes. As soon as he saw which way the wind was blowing, mm-hmm. he was like, bye. Yeah. He says, you know, you should leave me. Gardner did. And he says, Gardner would. Mm-hmm. Because Gardner sucks. That's right. And Cromwell sends a loot player named Mark up to play. A surprisingly relevant loot player named Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Somebody... Oh, it's the Uggo again. Uh, It's the same Uggo as before. Whose name is George. Yeah, George Cavendish, I believe. George Cavendish, Uggo in chief. (laughs) That's right. 
uh, who will be Lord Chancellor, and Cromwell says it will be Thomas More, which is uh, easy to say when you're writing with 500 years of hindsight, but we'll let it go. <laughs> hey, two Booker Prizes. How many Booker Prizes do you have, sucker? Uh, just the one. <laughs> <laughs> Mark is running his mouth about why he should stay, uh, you know, basically he's like, why should I even stay with Wolsey? Like, this is dumb. And like yeah. talking about how Cromwell is going to go down with Wolsey. Um, and he says it's rumored that Cromwell killed a man and never made a confession. So here, I think, can Cromwell overhear this? Yeah. Cause he's like in the room and it's just like very, oh, he's come in and Mark doesn't know that he's there. Yeah. Was yeah. The deal. Yeah. And kind of at the door. And cause Mark says something about how, oh, but men like him, they'll always weep when they see the hangman. And you see, again, Mark Rylance, like, you can barely see it. But there's something just like a little, like, smile almost. Or like an eye roll. Like, yeah. I would never cry. Yeah. He's like, come on. Yeah. It's just death. Right. He held, he held a snake in Italy. Oh, yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. He didn't know if it was poisonous or not. That's right. Uh, so we go to the home of Antonio Bonvisi in London, who is Cromwell's neighbor and some kind of merchant. Uh, and Antonio meets him outside and is like, oh, hey, you're here. And he's like, yeah, you invited me. And I was like, yeah, I know. But, uh, you know, all the, the, uh, and Thomas More is here. And Cromwell says, oh, I guess you invited him too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because we almost never see Bonvisi care about this sort of thing because as an Italian merchant, <laughs> he doesn't have to care about the political machinations of right. most of these people. Right. Uh, so yeah, he goes in, bows, and, and sits to eat, and, uh, yeah, so there's an awkward silence, and Cromwell's like, hey, if you were talking about me, go ahead, I have a thick skin. <laughs> More's like, nobody's talking about you. Um, and so, you know, there's a little tension, and then Bonfisi introduces Monsieur Chapuis, who is the ambassador from the Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, so Chapuis leans over to Thomas More, who he's sitting next to, and says some shit about, uh, Cromwell in French, I believe. Oh, was it French? I wasn't sure if it was French or if it was in Latin. Yeah, one of the two, I forget. Um, and then Cromwell says, Cromwell then responds to him, uh, he's called, they call him like the wandering Jew, and he's like, yeah, I barely know where I'm from myself, you know? <laughs> so if you want to keep secrets, you should try talking in Greek. Like douchebags. God, I just wish I was as ballsy as him. Oh yeah, and he's, he's so, so ballsy. He, he just is. And it doesn't even freaking face him. Mm-hmm. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and then like because he's so cool almost all the time, and then like so Thomas More is giving him shit about how Cardinal Wolsey was greedy and brought it all on himself, and Cromwell actually like lights it up a little bit and is like oh you you're like oh i don't care about the world and i just wish i could devote myself to the church and blah 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 and so how come i'm come back here and i find that you're lord chancellor (laughs) what was that an accident oh man and like listen there's like a loot scratch (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was yeah yeah it was impressive and so yeah and then more gets up and walks away yeah yeah He's got nothing. And Cromwell just says, you must give me the recipe for this sauce. (laughs) God, he's so cool. Yes, he is. It's also fun seeing how they ate at the time with a napkin over the shoulder. And I mean, you know, with their fingers, I knew that much, but. 
outside uh bonvisi says cromwell shouldn't come to his house just to bait thomas more <laughs> and bonvisi recommends that cromwell leave wolsey while the getting's good uh yes. this will be everyone's advice <laughs> yes basically he can't leave his house out somebody be like hey uh get out of there <laughs> yeah uh, 18 months prior, they are... This is to Wolsey's fall, so... Yeah, right, yes. Yeah, 18 months prior to whatever. Um, <laughs> 1529? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, so, uh, apparently the emperor's soldiers are running rampant in Rome. And uh, they have... And they have taken the Pope prisoner. Uh, they also say that the soldiers are roasting babies on spits. Cromwell says that soldiers don't eat babies, they are busy stealing. (laughs) (laughs) Also, babies have practically no nutrients. (laughs) Everybody knows that. That's why you have to take all those prenatal vitamins. Yeah. Um... And yeah, so somebody is starting to explain it to him. They do a little thing here I noticed just this time through where it's... I don't know if it's Gardner explaining it to him or who, but it's starting to be like, oh, the, you know, if the soldiers have taken the Pope prisoner, then the Emperor is Catherine's, the Catherine is the Emperor's sister, and that means, and like, Cromwell cuts him off there. So it's like trying to get that exposition out there without having characters tell each other things that they both ought to already know. Yeah. So they're really trying to balance that there by like, having him tell him, but then get interrupted. So it's like, oh, okay. Anyway. Little maneuver. Two Booker prizes. <laughs> uh, Wolsey uh, has a, pl- a platter full of cherries on his desk, and it's like, huh, how did I manage that, I wonder? What Which an is, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> he only got them because they match all of his stuff. <laughs> That's right. Uh but he sees an opportunity that with the Pope a prisoner, it is now up to him to keep Christendom together and that he will go to France and call all the cardinals together and handle the Pope's affairs, which just might happen to include declaring Henry a bachelor. Uh, so that's that's his plan. Uh, he also uh, Cromwell says that the rumor mill mentions that the king has moved on from Mary Boleyn to her flat-chested sister, this is, like, all the flat-chested Anne Boleyn jokes are solid gold. <laughs> I love them so much. Yeah. And she is really flat-chested Well, in that's this. true. I know. I'm like, why bother? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, good, Wolsey literally bursts out laughing. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, we'll be done with that in a few months. <laughs> uh, but he should perhaps be a little concerned because Anne Boleyn did swear revenge on him when he put an end to the Harry Percy business. Right. Uh, but you know, uh, I'm sure that his just, pride is well founded and yeah, he's she, very secure. She's just a woman. Of course. Yeah. A flat chested one at that. <laughs> That's right. Cromwell sees Liz sewing shirts in the same style that Queen Catherine sews for King Henry. Mm-hmm. And Cromwell's sister came by to see if he'll go visit his father in Putney. And he seems Quite uninterested. Uh, yeah, and, you know, Liz is saying, oh, you know, it's been a long time, he's never met the children, and Cromwell says, let's keep it that way. And then Grace comes in with her Christmas angel wings on, which are gorgeous. It must have cost a fortune. Yeah. Because it's all peacock feathers. Mm -hmm. And she is uh, there, and Cromwell's like, hey, stay away from the fire in that, Mm -hmm. okay? And... um, 
she, <laughs> he he tells her, you know, these are only for Christmas. Like what? What, what do you get out of here, you knucklehead? <laughs> yeah. So she goes and, you know, Liz continues to encourage him to see his father. And he's like, nah, it's a toxic relation. <laughs> Gonna let it go. Yeah, I put a boundary around that. <laughs> Cromwell tucks Anne in and she asks if she may choose who she wants to marry, which, of course, is coming up a lot in this episode. <laughs> uh, and he says, yes, within reason. And so she chooses Rafe. Which... Great choice. Yeah. I also choose Rafe. <laughs> Out of everybody in this show, he is definitely the person I would choose. I don't know, man. He's so, like, otherworldly looking. Yeah, like, dude. His, I, no, I, I mean, that's... an alien baby. <laughs> that's fine. He's uh, Jojen Reed, in case you all were curious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he definitely looks like a forest child. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> even in this non-fantasy setting. Although, I will say, Richard Cromwell looks pretty attractive for some reason that I don't understand. Okay. Like more so in this time through than the previous time. Yeah. He I seems could... like attainable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't seem like he'll cast a spell on you. <laughs> but I want him to. <laughs> I understand. I want a spell. <laughs> uh yeah. And she's concerned that Rafe is his, is her cousin, but Cromwell explains that no, Rafe is his ward and not a blood relation. And that she can choose Rafe if he'll wait for her. Uh, back in bed, Liz is like, Rafe? And Cromwell's like, well, she could do worse. I'm kind of with Liz on this. <laughs> it's like, he's just this guy. Yeah. She's just never met anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a knock on the door and Cromwell goes and Grace is there and she goes, I'm too warm. <laughs> which is such a great stupid kid thing to say. Yeah. Like, cause what are you talking about? Although, it might be... The it sickness might be. coming on. It might be. I thought about that more. This like that's true. I had watching for different signs. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So she says. Uh. She goes to bed and he asks if she's going to wear the wings all night and she says just until I say my prayers. <laughs> she's really cute. She is. The next day, Cromwell. Uh, goes to kiss Liz goodbye and she says, Oh, you know, tell me when you're going. And he says, I'm not going to France. Like I'll be back today. Yeah. And, uh, she seems a little off here too. Yes, she does. Uh, much more demonstrably yeah. than Grace did the previous night. Mm-hmm. And so he leaves and he thinks he sees her come out after him and turns and she's not there. It's yeah. very creepy. Yeah, it is. I real the, that, sh- the way they staged that uh-huh. shot was very well done. So he's like, okay, whatever. So he arrives somewhere mm-hmm. and tells a Francis at the door that if anybody asks, he's not there. Yeah. It's... And he's with a group of Tyndale fanboys. <laughs> and, you know, one of them is talking about how he's drunk on the word of God. And I'm like, oh, cable invent it. Yeah. Yeah. No, th- this guy. Um, I mean, he's, you know, among, you know, Cromwell supports the Reformation because of various practical reasons, mm-hmm. and he doesn't like the established, you know, the Catholic Church. Uh, this guy is one of the true, like, believers. Yeah. Like, he's... Well, but I mean, I also think Cromwell, I mean, Cromwell is a faithful person, mm-hmm. and he does like, you know, reading the gospel, mm-hmm. and he doesn't like the excesses of the Catholic Church, and, right. you know, you know... All of Luther's reasoning, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, this guy is just a total zealot. Yeah. Yeah, and he says he met Tyndale in Germany, and Cromwell's like, damn it! I'm not, I don't want to know where Tyndale is. Yeah, and Cromwell is like, hey, like, quit being so brazen. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, Cardinal Wolsey only burns Bibles. And he's like, yeah, Thomas More is going to burn 
people. Yeah. As in you, bucko. Yes. And that is, in fact, true. So Cromwell comes home. Everybody strap in. Yeah. And he sees uh, his wife's sister and their, uh, I think, like their housekeeper. Yeah, Mercy. I think her name is Mercy. Yeah. Uh, standing there and he knows that something has happened and he says just to say it. Um, they go up and Liz has died while he was gone. Uh, they say that she just started feeling uh, tired and that, that she, you know, couldn't eat and they called for the priest at two. Um, and he performed his services very hastily and got away as quick as he could. Uh, he said that she was saying that she held a snake in Italy, but that the doctor said that was just the fever. Um, and this Mark Rylance is, you know, just the way he walks into the room is, Mm -hmm. and he asks if she left a message for him and they're like, you know, no, she just was saying she was thirsty. Um, and then Rafe runs in. And says that it's the girls. So he goes up and the girls are at that very moment dying. Uh, it's so horrible. Yeah. Uh, Mercy is trying to wake up Grace and... Uh, Johanna J- is yeah. trying to wake up Anne. Yeah. Um, and it's too late and he just, he says, don't, don't. Um, yeah. And, you know, Mercy stays with Grace and he goes to Anne and holds her hand and... Uh, you know, says that it's all right. and Yeah, he says go. Yeah. And it's really hard, and yeah. everybody here is crying. Yeah. Um, Do you want me to take over this bullet point? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's okay. I just need a second here. <laughs> um, yeah, so we cut to him standing out, just looking out in a daze at a garden. Um. And jo- jo- Johanna. Johanna. Uh, you know. I think. I, well, yeah. J-O-H-A-N-E. He, he says that everyone had said that the sweating sickness was back and that he should have sent them to the country. But Johanna says that, uh, you know, they wouldn't have gone, that Anne cried every time he was away, which was news to Cromwell. Uh, and Johanna says that she and her husband can stay with them and take care of the household. Um, Cromwell says that Anne wanted to learn Greek, and then Joanna loses it, and uh, she starts crying on Cromwell's shoulder. Cromwell is is not crying at this or any time. Um, he cries once in the second episode. Okay, okay, um, yeah, and he, he flashes back to Grace, you know, tracing the illuminated text with her finger. Uh, so yeah, that was intense. And I, I believe. I think I saw the show first. Yeah. Because, because yeah. I remember being completely blindsided by that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think in the book, they don't die at the same time that his wife dies one year and his daughter's the next. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, certainly Anne's death and the, or yeah, Anne, Liz's, Liz yeah, is the Liz is, yeah, Liz's death blew my blew me away in the book for yeah. sure. Yeah. So uh, that's real sad. Yeah, it is. And uh, back with Wolsey, he says that his trip to France wasn't particularly successful, and he suggests a legate a legatine court yes. in exile in England for the Pope. And 
Cromwell is just sort of slow to answer and like instead of answering his question just says that his wife and daughters died yeah. while the cardinal was in France mm-hmm. and Wolsey is very upset and he says whom the Lord loveth he doesn't finish it, but yeah. it's the Lord taketh away, which right. is so stupid. Yeah. Fuck you, the Lord. Well, and there's this moment between them where Crom- I've, at least I read it as Cromwell, like, acknowledges the sympathy. Wolsey acknowledges that it's, like, not a helpful thing to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cromwell approaches a smithy and looks at an old man and then flashes back to an extremely brutal beating. This is the most brutal beating I think I've ever seen inflicted on a child in TV and film. Yeah. It is just unsparing. Yeah. And this is the cold open in the book is this beating. Like, yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, that, that, that shouldn't be allowed to happen. No. (laughs) I'm against it. Uh, so Cromwell picks up a hammer that's lying around and approaches, uh, him and it's, is his dad and he is, uh, he's one ugly looking dude. (laughs) I asked where he's been, says, you look like a foreigner. Um, and, uh, he says that he's a lawyer and the guy's like, oh, lawyers, they took all our, we'd had lands and but he's not drunk anymore. So he's just an asshole. Yeah, well, I mean, he drunk enough before that it's just, he's coasting on that. <laughs> Wet brain, they call that. <laughs> um, so yeah, Cromwell says that he's there because his wife told him to come see his dad, and his dad goes, well, now you have, and he says, well, now I have, and drops the hammer and heads out. Cromwell is sitting in his study, and Rafe and Richard come in, and Richard has a question. Uh, he says, you know, his, his dad is gone, and... Wouldn't it be all right if he took the name Cromwell? Mm-hmm. And Cromwell says it is so comforting. And this is just a really sweet scene because, like, you can just tell that Rafe and Richard have <laughs> been like, we should do something. <laughs> like, we should do a nice thing. Yeah. And this is what they came up with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is it is a great comfort to Cromwell. Mm-hmm. And, like, Rafe is just so cute. Yeah. And fun historical fact, this is the reason that Oliver Cromwell is named Oliver Cromwell. He wasn't descended from Thomas. He was descended from Richard. Oh. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> the more you know. That's right. Bing. <laughs> Uh, so at the Legatine court, Catherine of Aragon is testifying and doing a fine job. She testifies that, you know, she had many children and God chose to take them away, but that's not her fault. And she was a virgin when she married Henry and she puts it on his uh, conscience as to whether that's true. Henry is standing at the other end of the court glaring. Then, uh, Damien Lewis is way too attractive for this role. Like, and I don't even think Damien Lewis is attractive. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, you are not a fat old uggo enough to be Henry VIII. Well, Henry VIII wasn't fat at this point in his life. He got fat later. Oh. Yeah. Well, then how come there's no pictures of it? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, the main thing is that he's got the crazy eye. Uh, so crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then some old guy comes up and tells a joke about how King Arthur on his wedding night uh, came down and said, I need a drink because last night I was in Spain. <laughs> the joke bombs. <laughs> and he explains the joke. Yes. Yeah. He says, because 
the queen was Spanish, you see. And everybody's just like, boo. A giant hook comes out. <laughs> Your testimony is over. <laughs> You'll never be on a night at the improv. <laughs> Cromwell is in a corridor and he's toying with a spider web because, uh, you know, he's Cromwell. That's right. And Rafe says he believes Catherine. He's like, come on. Like, anybody who was 15 would, like, come out and boast and say that he had sex, whether he did or not. Yeah. And Cromwell says that the correct course is to believe no one. Mm -hmm. And Gardner arrives. Oh, boy. (laughs) Goody, goody. But he says that Pope Clement is about to sign a treaty with the emperor, and then the king won't get his divorce, and Wolsey will be finished. Yes. And he says, and then I'll feel sorry for you. And Mark Rylance says, except you won't. And he says, except I won't. He's the only one who's in any way on Cromwell's level. Yeah. Like, in the entirety of the the host of characters. Yeah. He's the only one who's sort of like, he has Cromwell's number, but he to an extent does too much of the same stuff mm-hmm. to ever like try to take him down. Yeah, when he's honestly one of the characters that I think is actually I like better in the show than in the book because what he brings in the performance is just sort of how happy he is with his, you know, role. He's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I love being this dick to Cromwell and, you know. I am going to have to keep watching because I can't remember if his is the plot line in the book that I really like. Oh, okay. So, stay tuned everybody. <laughs> That's right. More vagaries will be revealed. <laughs> uh, so Ugo George asks Cromwell if he thinks it was the Cardinal's pride that caused his downfall. And Cromwell says, no, the mistake was making an enemy of Anne Boleyn, but who could have predicted how far she would rise, mm-hmm. which is fair. She was supposed to be in Ireland. That's right. Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> the Kentucky of England. <laughs> Cromwell enters York Palace, which is now Anne Boleyn's residence, and Mark is there. And Cromwell greets him and, you know, tries to make small talk and says, oh, it must be strange to be back with a world so altered. And Mark is like, fuck you. I don't miss the Cardinal. And Cromwell's like, oh, well, we talk about you all the time. (laughs) So a tiny dog runs at Cromwell, and we don't see her yet, but Anne Boleyn says, Procoy, don't let him out. And Cromwell bows, and Anne speaks French, and she pronounces his name Cromwell, which is great. Yes. She never stops doing this. Yes, indeed. It's phenomenal. Ah, uh, finally we get Claire Foy. Oh, she's so... Oh, y- y- but Claire Foy behind a mask wasn't enough for you? Uh, all right, fair enough. <laughs> In all no. her flat-chested glory? That was her? What? <laughs> <laughs> but the mask. <laughs> Somebody stop me! <laughs> Cromwell bows. We already did that. Yes. Cromwell hands her his inventories, presumably of all the household goods Mm -hmm. that remained when Wolsey got the heave-ho. And uh, Anne Boleyn looks way smug. And she turns around, but he asks if she's seen any progress for her cause since she put Wolsey down. Mm -hmm. And everybody is like, whoa. A... uh, (laughs) A blonde on the floor smiles at him as Anne whirls around and says that he can make his case for Wolsey and he like kind of tries. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really work out. And, you know, then Anne launches into her whole spiel. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, I want to be the queen. 
this is going to happen. Wolsey couldn't make it happen. He's weak and dumb. Mm-hmm. The Pope sucks. And then somebody else is like, and she's not getting any younger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, cause she also, she says he can have five minutes and he says, otherwise I can see you're very busy. Yeah. Which is nice. But she like snaps right back. It's like, what would you know about how I spend my time? Mm-hmm. He's like, all right. Good response. You didn't just leave the room like Thomas More. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she's not impressed with him because the Cardinal hasn't delivered the annulment. And she dismisses him, and then the floor blonde runs after him, and it's Mary Bolin, yes. uh, who asks him to come again because she likes him. But she tells him that the king hasn't banged Anne yet. She just lets him kiss her breasts. Yeah. And uh, then Jane Seymour comes the out. The secondary floor blonde. Yes. <laughs> she comes out and says Anne wants Mary. And yeah. Mary Bolin had been Henry's mistress before, Yes, if you recall. So yeah, she knows what's going on. That's right. So outside, Cromwell tells Rafe and Richard that he needs a seat in Parliament again, because if he's not there to speak for the Cardinal, they'll kill him. A different Uggo warms <laughs> himself by a fire. It's Norfolk. Oh, that's Norfolk? Yeah. I never recognize him when he's not with Suffolk. Oh, yeah. Although, I think it does... Yeah, okay. I did figure it out eventually. Okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. See note, Norfolk is this Uggo. <laughs> <laughs> So he says, okay, fine, you've got a seat in Parliament. And he's so frustrated with Cromwell. He just says, Cromwell, why are you such a person? (laughs) And he says that he can have an audience with the king, but the king is planning to quarrel with him because Cromwell once counseled that he not invade France. Mm -hmm. And the king very much wanted and did, in uh, fact, invade France. Mm -hmm. And they twiddle about uh, Cromwell's origins as a backs. (laughs) <laughs> they twiddle a bit about Cromwell's origins as a blacksmith and a mercenary, and uh, Cromwell then kind of tries to press his suit a little bit further and says that Escher isn't suitable for the cardinal and requests that he be allowed to move to his palace at Winchester. But Norfolk is like, fuck you, absolutely not. Yeah. That's too close to the king, and the literal whole point of this is to make sure he's far away from the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, because, yeah, and like... There's a moment in it where Cromwell's like, well, I hope the king isn't planning to invade France again, or isn't thinking about invading France, and Norfolk shouts, what Englishman isn't? (laughs) France is ours. We have a right to take it back. And it was just like, whoa, yeah. Dude, you crazy. Are you an Englishman? Are you thinking of invading (laughs) France? If so, we want to hear your story. Uh, Yes, uh, you will be arrested. Uh, yeah, Cromwell looks in at Parliament and is getting all cleaned up for parliamenting, I suppose. Uh, not in the garden. King Henry is picking a flower. This is and, the first time we've seen this guy. Yeah. Uh, and Cromwell is summoned and bows to the king, uh, who asks after Wolsey. And, and you really do have to hand it to Damien Lewis for this performance as well, because yes. particularly in the first couple of episodes, he has to play you know, he's he's had to ditch Wolsey both to maintain this relationship that he has with Anne Boleyn and to attempt to get this annulment that he wants. Right. But he loves Wolsey. He does. Wolsey's yeah. like his favorite guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he can't even hang out with him yeah. and play Matchbox cars anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Bums him out. Uh yeah, and the the king just says that he can't uh he can't uh see Wolsey. He just can't. And they 
Uh, then rehash the disagreement about the war, uh, and, you know, that's the, the king says that you said I couldn't lead my army because the ransom would bankrupt the country, so you want me to stay cooped up like a little girl, and he's really, like, getting angry, and he just says that would be ideal for fiscal purposes. Mm-hmm. And King Henry's <laughs> like, all right, you're on something, buddy. <laughs> And so uh, the king says that Cromwell's reputation is bad, and Cromwell says that the king can form his own opinions. All I want out of life is for the king to tell me that my reputation <laughs> is bad, and for me to tell the king that he can form his own opinions. Why is this so hard? Well, Queen Elizabeth just won't die, so there's still no king. <sighs> Ugh, I don't want that king's approval. <laughs> I'll have to wait until William's on the throne. <laughs> Uh, so Cromwell leaves this encounter and goes back to, uh, I think it's his house, where a servant is asking if he should paint over the cardinal's coat of arms, and Cromwell says, no, paint it again, paint it brighter. Boom! Yes. End of episode. That's right. This show is so good, people. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. If you are listening to this and you haven't actually watched the show, yeah. really do yourself a favor. Yeah, Even if you were somebody, and I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast <laughs> right. if you were this type of person. Even if you were somebody who hates period dramas, mm-hmm. even if you hate Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Like, this it's, is so good. Yeah, it's just so well done. The Everything about it. The production, the lighting, the acting, the casting. The editing, the yeah. music, the costumes, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's Again, ridiculous that we've just spent an hour talking about it when we could have just been watching it again. <laughs> That's true. But the people spoke. That's right. And we're giving the people at least half of what they want. <laughs> right. The people spoke. We chose to listen to some of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's democracy, right? That's right. Look, I'm so, we did not inform you about the electoral college system that we use here. <laughs> and we never will. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so until next time... Up yours downstairs. Luncheon out.